Welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. It's good to be with you this evening. Uh, we actually have campus preacher Keith. Keith Farrell in the house. Toby. Sitting in for Pastor Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck Knox. In. And I'm the water boy. Have you joined our club yet? Of course they have. They're no. idiots. It, well, now's the time. The time's always now. Well, there's somebody who hasn't. Join the fight, laugh, feast, army. And Ooh. you will not only help us in our fight to take down secular legacy media like Fox, mm, but you also get access to content placed in our club portal, including after shows backstage, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, if you can't come to our conferences, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you also get discounts at our conference, as I mentioned earlier, October 6th through the 8th. So go, go sign up now at fightlifefeast.com, click on shop, and boom, you're just part of the army. I, I do want to take on Fox, but first I just want to take down the Young Turks. I, if I could just do that <laughs> first, I'd be more than happy to take them down. Today's Christians are fine speaking about Christ as a prophet. We're even fine and comfortable speaking about Christ as a priest. But when you speak about Christ's kingship, every Christian, even the most hardened reformed Christians, they clench up a little bit like they're about to get pushed For out real. of an airplane at 10,000 feet. For real. And when we do speak of the kingship of Christ, we collapse his kingship into his priestly duties or his prophetic duties. We hardly ever speak to his actual rule here on earth right now in this place. We don't even know what that even means. Or we go around shrouding the truth of it, and we're afraid that someone might call us out for bringing in a theocracy. Abortion wasn't wrong just because Jesus was a priest or because he was just a prophet. Abortion was wrong and is wrong because Jesus is the king. Amen. That's right. With a kingdom, a That's real right. kingdom in this world, this world itself. His kingdom is over the very dirt that your feet are walking on or standing on or building on. All of it. Every square inch of it. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. He died for it. And not only that, he actually rose from the dead for it too. That's right. The church has its authority on earth because of Christ's kingdom. If Jesus is not king, what authority does the church have to call men to repent? The very message of the gospel is based on his authority over the earth. Now, our current situation is one of watching all the enemies of Christ be put under his feet right now. This isn't just in our hearts. This is in the world that we are in. In the words of Trump, dare I quote him, <laughs> 1 Corinthians says as much. That's actually how the British say it. To be fair. That, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Hey, Trump's not British. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we just saw one of the enemies of Christ collapse Friday with the fall of Roe v. Wade and Dobbs versus Jackson. Our spiritual weapons have demolished false carnal gods in this natural world. And one of those answers to our prayers have been man that will be bold and stand on the truth like Athanasius did by himself if he had to. And one of those men have been none other than Justice Clarence Thomas. You can be in the middle of a hurricane, or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. Clarence Thomas. The hell with the Supreme Court. You could be in a thunderstorm. North is still north. I am spitting mad. America, I'm renouncing my citizenship. People can yell at you. It's all our fight! It's all our fight! North is still north. I That's don't right. care about your...
religion. Well, the Bible says this in this chapter, in this verse, I don't care. It doesn't change fundamental things. And I can't believe Clarence Thomas would stab us in the back after mm -hmm. all we did to help the black community. Clarence Thomas Ooh. is a digger. Because the right is going to put Supreme Court people in who are just ruining this country and taking basic rights away. I honestly believe 95% of the people in the country think like me. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. Amen, Clarence. Man. That's my man. Who was, man. Who was the... Who, the Barstool sports guy. Not, not Barstool. Guy. Before that was the... Uh, it looked like a, a live on Twitter. He dropped the M-bomb. I think it's... Oh, it was a, it was a thing um, on... Uh, yeah, live on Twitter where they have the conversations. Either, either that or what's the other thing that people like to do. But who is the guy that dropped the N-bomb? Yeah, I don't know who it was. Okay, he was okay. just somebody in the chat room. I will say that the person who heard him say that was saying amen to him at first. Like, yeah, that's right. What's wrong with Clarence? And then she heard him drop the N-word and she was like, yeah, you're going to have to go. So at least I, <laughs> at least I can say I respect that. But, but that, that dude wasn't the only one that said that. No, There's no, other no. people on social media who called yeah. Clarence Thomas the N-word. Yeah, he was just a representative of many of the other yeah. ones out there who have been on yeah. Clarence because he's like, wait a second, North is still North. And by the way, Dave Portnoy, like this is kind of disappointing. He's like, well, women should have a right to choose whatever to do with her own body. Um, you know, Dave, I, I thought this, he's a barstool sports. Yeah, right? and the dude sleeps around big time. Yeah, and he did an interview with Trump and some other stuff. Uh, too. He's been me too a little bit. But here's what's been interesting to me is I thought that we were having a conversation about morality. But come to find out, I don't think these folks know how to count. Because yeah. when we're talking about a woman being pregnant, we're talking about two people. Two people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about one. And anybody who's having the conversation says, you can't tell a woman what to do with her body. We always have to remember, it's like, how many how many people are we talking about? And I know that every time the government's involved with something, they're telling people what to do with their body. Well, well, you know, a woman can't get in the car and put and drive before we tell her to put a seatbelt yeah, on. Yeah, put a seatbelt on, yeah. <laughs> you so, know what I mean? So you can't pay taxes. You can't build right, on your right. vaccination. You can't, cut, a, you can't cut hair. Like, yeah. there's licensing. Like, Every time the state's involved with something, you're telling somebody what to do with their body. So it, yeah. it's a good redirection in a way because people are like, yeah, I don't want to tell people what to do with their body. But then you realize, oh, oh that's I'm, the role of the state yeah. is to an extent tell people what to do. I was telling I was talking to Jason Whitlock today about this. And one of the things that I said on his show was, listen, uh, that sound of you can't tell a woman what to do with her body is the hiss of the serpent in the garden who was communicating to the woman you could be like God. Right. You know, he, that's the same sort of thing because what he's right. saying is you can create a reality where there is no such thing as a husband. Right. There is no such thing as a child. Mm -hmm. And so you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Right. That That's that's a problem because you can't. That right. child belongs to a man. Yep, and right. you can't just make a decision like that yeah. um, by yourself because you don't have that right to make that decision. Yeah. You made the decision when you decide to sleep with him. Well, so I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm actually looking forward to the division that this is going to cause in our country. I, yeah, I you am know what too. I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. According to Wapo, you know Wapo, the Supreme Court is on a roll. On a roll. Do I get like a drum roll? No. Yeah. Okay. They sided with Joe. Kennedy, a football coach at Birmingham School District who knelt in prayer at the 50-yard line, ruled 6-3 to three that a school district cannot bar him from publicly exercising his faith on the field after the game. <laughs> and as WAPO states, follow, follow this, con continuing, this is what they say, literally, quote, continuing a line of decisions lowering the wall between church and state. Wait a second, so they're saying... Yeah. That that line just got even and lower. People might just jump right over that wall. <laughs> Justice Neil Gorsuch, <laughs> we want who wrote the majority opinion, states that learning how to tolerate speech or prayer of all kinds is part of learning how to live in a pluralistic society. 
Uh, he needs to listen to my monologue. I just got done. Yeah, uh, Jesus King. <laughs> Gorsuch argued that our precedents remind us that the First Amendment protections extend to teachers and students, neither of whom shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate, citing a landmark case from 1969 that upheld students' right to wear black armbands in the protests of the Vietnam War. So students can protest with their religion and their beliefs. So can the teacher, right? It's um, all in its, I mean, this is just like deadly irony here. Justice Sotomayor, Sotomayor, <laughs> yeah, who wrote the dissenting opinion, the minority-majority dissenting opinion, called the majority opinion, uh, quote, particularly misguided because it elevates the religious rights of a school official who voluntarily accepted public employment and the and the limits that public employment entails over those of his students who are required to attend school and who this court has long recognized as particularly vulnerable and deserving of protection. Sotomayor just voted against overturning Roe and then turns around and argues that uh, it's part of their duty to protect the vulnerable. You know, by meaning, and, and but what's weird is they're protecting the vulnerable. She's arguing that we need to protect the vulnerable by not allowing a football coach to pray on the fifty yard line. That's the same. When I who lived, cares about forceps? When I, when Prayer I lived, is dangerous. When I lived in New York, <laughs> they, we were meeting in a school building, and the New York, I guess, Supreme Court ruled that we were not allowed to meet there because if students saw us coming in and out on a Sunday, they may have confused it with a church that they were to go to the rest of the week. And, and so it was just oh like, my. and so this is kind of, you know, the descent kind of fits along those lines that somehow the, you know, the teacher praying at the 50 yard line after a football game, yeah. no longer a school sanctioned event, somehow they're going to confuse this with religious act, like yeah. the, the overarching thing is religious activity. And yet they get upset if we don't want the gays pushing an agenda in the classroom. You right, know what I mean? So, right. so it's like, it's utterly incoherent. Well, right. they're absolutely in the classroom saying, yeah, I, oh, yeah. yeah, promoting homosexuality. Gabe, I was wondering, as I was reading through this, there's implications here, but what are some of the implications you think about this? Why is this case important? I think for me, one of the things that has happened this last you know week and a half is a case like this, um, I'm glad for Joe, and I'm glad it's passed and everything, but for me, what it indicates is something bigger. Right now, we have a bunch of conservatives on the court right now and i want to try to run as many um decisions towards them as many cases that i can as a conservative towards them right now uh most of you know i'm in the middle of a federal lawsuit right now against yeah. my city for violating my first and fourth amendment rights well um my judge is going to look at what just happened at the supreme court level and be like well I might as well rule in Gabe's favor now because uh, otherwise it's going to go to the Supreme Court and they're going to rule in my favor now. So I actually think that the cascading effects of what the Supreme Court's doing right now is huge. Which is, yeah, that's kind of why you see Justice Thomas saying, hey, bring me the cases, right? Like, he's like, yeah, let's let's talk about Obergefell. You know? Well, and, I mean, he's making a good point, though. Justice Thomas, in his uh, concurring opinion for uh, Dobbs versus Jackson, yeah. is basically making a good point. We've done a lot of things in the court that have, allowed, that have stood on Roe v. Wade and Casey. That's right. And if... We are changing or understanding this better than right. there are a lot of things that probably There's need to be revisited. There's a domino effect there. Yeah, because right. we've based everything off of the right. sense of privacy, right? right? Um, mm -hmm. Obergefell's the same thing. They based made the same argument Obergefell that they made inside of, right. you know, in Casey, one of the things they said in Casey was that um, you have the right to define what personhood is, what reality is, mm -hmm. and what is human. 
and yeah. freedom. Yeah. And so, like, I guess it makes sense. Like, if, if we don't have that ability, if we don't have that yeah. right, and that's overturned, then we need to yeah. look at every other case that follows right. that type of thinking. On the other side of this, this is how far conservatives have lost. Is this case, I'm glad it happened, and I'm glad Joe won, but it's a case where he got fired for kneeling and praying on the 50-yard line. Yeah. When, when we should have, decades ago, been firing professors, teachers, who were teaching evolution in the classroom, mm. right? Like, they got their religion through. Their mm. religion's accepted in the public schools. And we go, like Joe, he didn't require any of the students to go with him, none of the athletes to go with him. He wasn't requiring any of that. He'd go after the game, nail on the 50-yard line all by himself, praying, thank God. Mm-hmm. And yet, he got fired for it. And yet, they can tell you in the classroom that you're a bunch of protoplasms. That that your life is meaningless, yep. and and here we are. You know the leadership of the conservative uh, right during the you know forties, fifties, sixties. I mean, we just got played all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm convinced that we lost conservatism in the sixties. Oh, we probably lost it way before yeah. that. Well, we didn't have much of it. It, it kind of faded. It was kind of understood in the twenties, thirties, forties, and then they started seeing all these, you know, FDR, all these kind of yep. socialistic plays start happening. Conservatives didn't have much of a response. And then here we are in the 50s and 60s. We started to respond, but we re- were already responding off the wrong foot. So Somebody who's responding on the right foot gives That's and right. go. They're coming up next on Cross Politics. We're going to talk to them about what it looks like to have a, a Christian economy. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what it looks like to fight out there. They've been fighting for a long time since 2013. Yeah. We're going to talk to them next on Cross Politics. Have you hit the share button, the like button, and told everybody where to hang out at? Here's the spot. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross-politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. Where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Welcome back. Yes, we got the we got the the founders, brother and sister from GoFundMe, coming on this segment. The Not mission GoFundMe. Of, of Go Send Go, <laughs> the, the competitors wow. of Whoa. GoFundMe. Whoa! Wow. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> we, you know we'll what? clarify all that later. The you mission. I'm, go, I'm going right past that. The mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there's no king but Christ. I love reading this ad every time. We are a free craftsman. Body armor is a tool of liberty. Do you have some? We create tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he's bestowed to us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. So go visit them at ar500armor.com. That's ar 500 
dot get com. it right get it right yeah because getting it right is very important yeah, i think you just blew our chances of them ever becoming sponsors i know i know <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like uh go fund me gibson go go fund me sponsor your show it's my privilege to introduce the founders of gibson go first uh, heather wilson heather is a wife mother of six and co-founder Ooh. of go, gibson go.com gibson go.com throughout heather's life she has found success in many avenues from building successful children's ministries from the ground up to growing a professional photography business while her children were young to currently being on the forefront of standing for the freedom as the co-founder of Go Send Go. Give, send, go. Despite any value of the accomplishment of her life, Heather believes that it, it, the most important thing she can leave behind in this world is a legacy of a life defined not by work she did, but by the work Jesus did through her. Mm. Amen. Can I get an amen? Is there something? All right. All right. Mm. Jacob. Jacob Wells. Brother Jacob, we call him around here, is a Jesus follower, husband, father to biological adoptive and foster children. He's doing it all. Fifth of the 12 siblings and co-founder. We're going we're gonna to get more into that, apparently. Of the international crowdfunding platform, GibsonGo.com. Wells is also a military veteran, musician, and infrequent marathon runner. I would just not even, I'd just be a not a marathon runner. He loves life and shares it with everyone he meets uh, Jacob and Heather, welcome to the show, and I apologize on my behalf for saying the wrong name at the very beginning. That is all right. Thanks for having us. You know, how, Jacob, how much do I have to run to be an infrequent marathon runner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about as much as I do, which is nearly... Ever. Yeah. <laughs> never. This is already busting his he, shots. He's actually, he's, he's actually never run a marathon. Yeah, it's actually, he's actually, actually never run one. I actually put that in his uh, bio for him. He, he identifies yeah. as a marathon runner. <laughs> he self-identifies as exactly. one? Yeah. I, I just identify as one. That's yeah. right. You're constantly running yeah. in your head. I get it. I get it. All right. So so y'all y'all were actually born in 2014. So Gibson Go started in, in 2014 time frame. And and since then y'all have been through a number of kind of uh you know battles or controversies as um uh and kind of related to maybe responding to GoFundMe. So kind of a big question there. But w- w- what is Gibson Go uh, what have you guys done these last, you know, since 2014 to get all in in the crazy world? You know, I think the easy answer is be obedient. You never know that when you mm. choose to follow where God leads you and be obedient, he will always lead you on our adventure way bigger than you would have expected. And I've seen it all through my life. Jacob's seen it all through his life that as we continue to be obedient. So 2014, we had a great idea. Let's have this alternative site to sites like GoFundMe. Great idea. People coming together to raise money. Christians should be doing this, right? And this is like what we see in the early church in Acts. And so we said, what if we were to create a crowdfunding site that not only allowed people to raise money, but that we were able to share hope with them because hope is what everybody needs. Money's temporal. And so we said, let's be, build this site. And we started walking in obedience just year after year, watching this thing grow slowly. And a couple of years ago, is when we first started to see um, some battles take place. And we were glad that God gave us a few years to get some feet underneath us Mm -hmm. because little did we know um, how extreme the battles would be. We started pretty much with a young man named Kyle Rittenhouse who found his way to our platform after being- Who's that? um, Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) He's whitey. (laughs) After a great podcast, you don't don't know any of the news. (laughs) 
Oh, I love Heather. Uh, we lost our, did we lose the connection? Did we lose the connection? Uh, brutal. Brutal. Wow. Way to go, sis. That was good. That was good, She's sis. She's one of 12. She's quick. One of 12. Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, Kyle, as we know, as we all know, he was deplatformed, censored from every platform out there, and he found his way to give, send, go. And we woke up one morning to thousands of hate emails, death wishes, all Oof. sorts of things. And we said, whoa, what have we fallen into? Because up until then, we had just been a platform for people to do good in the world. Heather, real, real quick, on, on that note, um, so wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse had a, a GoFundMe campaign open? GoFundMe mm. can't canceled that and and then came over to you. Is that get yeah, get into some details go, there? Yeah, even before that, like go, this has been a uh, trend for GoFundMe over the last few years, even before Kyle of taking down campaigns that they didn't agree with, and you know God knew that there would need to be a funding vehicle for people to have a voice, and and we really believe that Jake and I believe that that is why God had to start give send go in 2014, not knowing where we'd end up. So Kyle came on, he raised over $600,000, was able to find a voice, able to afford a lawyer. He was just raising money for legal fees. Wow. Like we didn't know if he was innocent or guilty. It didn't matter to us. When he got found not guilty, everybody was like, yeah, give send go away to stay behind Kyle. And we said, we didn't stand behind Kyle. We didn't know if he was innocent or guilty, but in the United States, there's this thing called, you have the, uh, you can be innocent. You should be innocent until proven guilty in a court right. of law. Right. Right. And then you you're, you have the right to an attorney. Right. And so we just stood behind some of the basic foundations of the United States. <laughs> Our journey continues. And we could just go on and on with the stories up until recently with the um, trucker convoy, which also GoFundMe, our friends over there. They're our best, um, what do I call them? Advertisers. Yes, yes, that's awesome. Number one employees. <laughs> you should send them at the end of the year like a number one employee award. We we voted GoFundMe oh, the number one employee of Gibson Go. Thank you very much. Here's a bottle of wine. It's a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so with the truckers, as again, um, do I need to catch you guys up? Or you please, know please keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Canada, there was a trucker convoy that wanted to make its way across the country to say, we're sick of the mandates. Just let us do our job. And as they found their way to um, Ottawa, they had a campaign on GoFundMe, even though everybody was saying, what are you doing? We know what's going to happen. Sure enough, they got taken down. Wow. Came over to Gibson and go. We got incredibly hacked and, and, uh, wow. DDoS attacks and yep. and they were out to get us. People did not like our stance for freedom. The Canadian government called Jacob and I to go speak at Parliament oh, wow. um, because they, you know, we we kind of said you're not the boss of us when they told us what they thought we should do, and yeah. so they didn't really like that very much. So that so you, you, you went and spoke to the uh, Canadian Parliament. We didn't go across the border. We wouldn't dare at that point, but we did get invited via Zoom because that's how they were holding parliament at okay. the time. So we did. We got to go, and the first hour was GoFundMe, PayPal, and uh, Stripe. And then the, the second hour was 
Jacob. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's awesome. And when I'm he so froze, I had to talk because I was like, Jacob, you can just talk, right? Like, I want you to talk. Like, you're really good at it. I'm too like emotionally based, and he's very like facts driven. And so he gets like halfway through, and then all of a sudden his computer freezes, and I am like, Ugh. Oh. <laughs> tag team. So wait, I gotta know. So that's Jacob, fair. well, I guess I'll start with you, Jacob. What did you say to Parliament? Um, I said, go fund yourself. No. Oh. Said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, <Jacob. laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, I, you know, they, they, it was a, it was a, uh, a witch hunt from the start. So they came out with just every assumption under the sun that was largely incorrect. I mean, they had no backing, no substantiation for any of the claims that they were making. <laughs> it was really incredible to see members of parliament that actually didn't even couldn't discern what was true versus what wasn't true like heather had asked a question towards the end um because they made this claim about having made the proud boys a terrorist organization since since uh 2019 and the reality was they had just made the proud boys a terrorist organization in 2021 but they're stating this on the record they don't even know the dates of things that they've done uh, significant activities. They're so off base. They were doing it to try to, to try to backdate a claim that they were trying to make. It was just a straight up lie. Wow. So it, it was fascinating to see the Canadian government so out of touch with reality, trying to make gifts and go the, the point of their blame when the reality was very clear. It was the government itself that was the root of this problem. Mm -hmm. It was people that were upset about mandates that the government had put in place right. had nothing to do with gifts and go. It literally had nothing to do. And all the funds that were being raised were, were being raised for a nonprofit humanitarian organization that the Canadian government itself had authorized to be created. It was just absolute craziness what they were trying to do. How, so it was, a, it was a fascinating moment. Great opportunity. We got to, to share about our, they actually had, one of the members of parliament got so irate that one of their co the partners there said you need to calm down you're harassing the witness mm. about me because this person was getting so i was maintaining my composure and they were getting so irate because they couldn't ruffle my feathers that they had one of their own members of parliament tell them hey this is this is wow. bordering on harassment wow. you need to come down it was it was a tremendous experience what authority do they have over your company at all they don't and so that's kind of the the funny thing and so they they brought together this panel to discuss and and just recently actually jacob and i were talking today they've issued this hey if you are money do anything in money in the uh transfer or crowdfunding or anything like that you now need to submit to our our, our rules and regulations and so jacob and i have to go and we've been walking this out um you know in order for because they, because they realized they didn't have control they didn't like it and they didn't have control. And so we saw, and this is what happens when someone doesn't have control, they just start making things. And so it's like, ah, oh, this executive order here. Oh wait, that's not a good idea. But they're just throwing things, hoping something sticks because they were losing control because of what they were doing was so ridiculous. Sounds like the Sanhedrin council, you know? Uh, so, okay. Do you guys have time to hang out with us a little more? Cause this feels like a party and we got to end here, but I want to take it into the oh, backstage wow. and hang out with you guys yeah. for another 10, 15 minutes. If you and, and there's a lot that you don't know about, 
about what just happened. Oh, and really? they got they got to come in. Yeah, they got to oh, come okay, into the portal. If you yeah. want to know yeah. what this what the uh, ESG score of ah. Gibson Go is, <laughs> we're gonna find out in the club portal. Because and we, if, I want to know too. We'll talk about this in the club portal. But I really want to know why you guys are leading so hard with being Christians on the front of this. I think that's kind of important as well. So, all right, Brian. if you don't have a club membership. I don't know what to tell you. You're in trouble. You won't get this. You won't get a party with us. But if you do have a club membership, you can get the party with us backstage with Heather and Jacob. So if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. The season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. All right, so just stay like this. How, how am I doing here? So, yeah, you don't like you don't like this, huh? What does a Christian education look like when non-Christians are the ones who control the institutions of learning? This is a question that confronted Bishop Augustine of Hippo in North Africa in the fifth century AD. Augustine lived at the twilight of the Roman Empire. He himself had been trained with the best learning that Rome at that time had to offer. He himself actually came through the ranks and taught rhetoric in some of the best schools. And it was then, after he had come of age, that he converted to Christianity, but he wanted to continue the project of education, but this time for Christians. And so he had to confront the question, what does a Christian education look like when the unbelievers control the field? when they control the institutions, when the whole ap apparatus and curriculum of learning emerge from a pagan environment. And so Augustine wondered, what is it that Christians should jettison? What is it that Christians can embrace? What is it that Christians can adopt, but in modified form? These are the questions that Augustine confronted when he sought to educate Christians in an environment when unbelievers dominated the field. A century later, we see a man in the south of Italy named Cassiodorus who faced a very different educational landscape. He had to ask what did a Christian education look like in an environment where unbelievers had abandoned the project of education altogether. The in infrastructure of learning had entirely eroded. If education was to proceed at all, it had to proceed on the foundation of Christianity. The Christians had to be the ones preserving education. What does a Christian education look like when Christians are the ones forming the institutions, when Christians are the ones organizing the curriculum? Well, these two seasons in the history of education, the season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus, just 100 years apart, were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. We're gonna be studying this story. We're going to be going back to the sources. We're going to go back to Augustine. We're gonna go back to Cassiodorus. We're gonna ask ourselves, which of their predicaments most resembles our own? Which can we learn from Augustine's period? What can we learn from Cassiodorus's period? As we confront these questions, we're gonna engage these sources, and we invite you to join us here at New St. Andrews College.